Okay, cool. I'm recording now. So, yeah, there's a new thing called, uh, that I have been seeing on the interwebs this week called Doll in the Hall, which is basically like Elf in the Shelf for Halloween. And it's like you get, you go to the thrift store or whatever and you get the creepiest doll that you can find <laughs> and you leave it on, in the, like you start it out in the hall and then you move it every day. And it's like, if you have kids, you're supposed to, what is it? Something like if you, if you touch the doll, she'll murder you in your sleep or something. Like, I forget what it is. Those are good things to teach children. That sounds like, um, uh, my roommate Leslie and I have this, uh, you know, the like Funko pop dolls. Oh yeah. Uh, we have a Draco from Harry Potter and Aww. every day we just move him to different places around the house and we become more and more creative. So it started with like, he would just be on a shelf or like on the table. And as time goes on, we like time went on, we got like more bored. And so we started putting him like up on top of fans or like inside yes. the microwave, <laughs> like in the fridge. I accidentally like turn on the microwave. Yeah. We did think about that. We're like, the microwaves are pretty safe bet. Cause you have to open it to like put your food in. We were like, watch you put him like in the oven oven and like preheat it and actually yeah. melt him yeah no we had that sarah my stepdaughter was big into lord of the rings and we oh, yeah. one year for i think it was for christmas we got her a life-size frodo wielding a sword <laughs> and frodo ended it. up all over the house like we would move him at night and so like we, we put shit. Wait, did you say life-size yes i was oh, like wait, a, so it was a cutout it was a cutout like those oh, stand-up okay. cardboard okay. cutouts and so like she would put him when we were at work or whatever, she would come home from school before we got home from work and she would like put him in the shower. Move him around. That's and awesome. And so like we would turn on the light and there would be somebody standing in the shower <laughs> with a sword. It was That's awesome. Are you talking about the Savannah doll? Yeah, the doll. Was what did we name out. her? Annie. Annie. Yeah. We never yeah. introed the show. You're listening to Mile 13, by the way. My name is Kim. Their name is Casper. And that's Jackie sitting hey. across from me. Sup? Hey. Welcome to the show. <laughs> we just started talking about dolls and hiding them around the house. Yep. Welcome to our live. <sighs> I really forgot we were recording. <laughs> that's all right. We're super excited for this show, too. Oh, no. This show's going to be awesome. But do you want me to tell talk about Annie? Yes. Oh, sorry. What do you want to say about Annie? Oh, we just never actually addressed her. We talked about her, but we never addressed her on the show didn't we no. no when we were recording savannah or was that one casper found thousand times that we it was one of the like re-recorded like the beginning ones that never actually worked when we were recording savannah when we were first getting started and trying to figure out how to do everything um casper found she was at the lake house right yeah so that lake house that i was just talking about um my family has like a barn basically in the backyard and my mom has converted the loft of the barn into kind of like a kid's play place so there's Mm -hmm. all these toys from all these different generations including a lot of antique toys um which is fun and cool until you realize how creepy antique toys are (laughs) um and i was up there and i found this like it was basically a nanny doll. It was a like a black slave doll. And I was like, mom, why do we have this? What the fuck? And turns out that it is actually a replica doll. It's not uh, like authentic, but it is a replica of one of those dolls. Um, so for comfortable because someone had to have wanted to make a replica. Yeah, replica, but I yeah. bet those original dolls now are worth a ton of money, oh, which is probably so, why somebody made a replica to try and pass it off as a real yeah. thing. Like, hey, I've got bougie money. and. Mm-hmm. 
So for those of you who don't know, nanny dolls were dolls that were made to like look like nannies. So like for kids who would grow up and have like slaves in the house and have nannies who were like African-American, they had like they made dolls to look like those nanny dolls. Um, So that's why like you'll see those like black kind of ragdoll-esque dolls and those are called nanny dolls. Sorry, Kim, Kim just started yelling at me silently. Was I wrong? Phone interrupted our. No, she was yelling at me. No, Casper, you're all good with your lining kugel somewhere shandy, and Jackie's all not good because she didn't put her phone on airplane mode, and we're gonna get some interference from your technology, Jackie. Honestly, probably not because I feel like so our original setup was not made to work. It was like (laughs) taking music instruments and then configuring it in a way where you could record a podcast where you actually have a podcast. um, Yeah, that's true. So. We just got a fancy new podcast board. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really jealous. It. I was telling. It's really colorful. Okay. Uh, yes. Yeah, so, but the reason why we had that doll was because my grandmother would host these um, antique fashion shows, <laughs> yep. which I think is about the whitest thing you could possibly do. Um, but they were like these like dinner theaters where like people would dress up in like period like style clothing and walk around and act in character. So it was mostly like young adults doing this stuff. But one of the costumes was for a child. So when I was about like six to eight, I would perform in these uh, antique fashion shows and skip around with my little nanny doll and my little like one room schoolhouse so much costume and just skip around (laughs) oh yeah it explains Um, just how white i am that's good all right i had um because we're talking about racist slave dolls yeah uh so brandon and i were talking the other day and i so i picked up phrases that my family has said for a long time and one and we were sitting there one day and i had said a few like over the course of a while and it just dawned on both of us at the same time that the sayings were racist. Mm. So I would like to share them with you guys if you... There's Oh, good. We're just going to share racist uh, sayings now? Sure. Well, well, it's ones. My husband is black. Half. <laughs> Half. No, We've established kidding. that, yes. But, <laughs> um, no, but there was two. And it, it's just, just sayings you always say and anything about them. The one was um, my grandma was like, pouring my grandpa a cup of coffee and he he had and i've picked this up from him but he would always say get your cotton picking hands off oh me. yeah and then brandon uh, was sitting there and he he's heard it all the time but like at the same time we just looked up and we're like wait oh, that's racist yeah because yeah. it's just it's always because my grandpa would be like what yeah. the name of sam hill like he just always said weird things and then like the, old uh, people sayings yeah just like old, what, old sam hill and then um what was the other one? I know my family used to always sing uh, the I've Been Working on the Railroad song. Sure. I mean, that's a pretty common kid song to sing. Yeah. yeah. And then but that last connotation. Week, yeah. I had realized, oh, that probably wasn't good at all. So moving on. So anyways, yeah. Casper is going to sh- start the show today. We are. So before we start, Casper, just so you know, we're on a time crunch because Jackie is so tired that she's like hallucinating. Um, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, not a not a huge time crunch. OK, so <laughs> there was two things that happened today that are notable. Wait, am I told you? Yes. Um, 
See? Ugh, so hallucinating. <laughs> it's starting. Uh, so I'm in a really weird mood. But I misspelled my name today at work. I was writing it down, and it's J-A-C-K-I-E, and I spelled it J-A-C-K-Y, and I had been, like, working on that paper for about an hour. And then I noticed, like, oh, there's no Y in my name. <laughs> Your own name was wrong <laughs> on it. Yeah, and then, um, oh, what was the other? The horchata thing. Oh, so I went with Brandon and his family to get burritos today. And I swear this didn't happen, but Brandon and his whole family said it did. But so we all got carne asada burritos and I guess Brandon said, oh, get me a horchata. And to what I responded, like, oh, that's freaking awesome. I love horchata. I do not remember saying that because we got up to the (laughs) window and we were the only people in line too. Like we, we weren't waiting in line. We were the only ones. And then he got a horchata and I was like, what the crap? Why'd you get one? And I didn't like, I want a horchata. And he goes, you literally heard me and responded to the fact that you thought it was awesome. That I was getting a horchata and like three to five minutes later got upset because he got the said horchata that I was excited about. So I'm that you definitely knew about. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do not, but like his whole family said I did. And Mm. <laughs> so it's been it's been a rough day for Jackie. It's yeah. yeah. So so we're trying not to keep her up super late. Yeah, please All let right. me go to bed. We'll do our best. All right. So Casper, what's our show on this week? Where are we going? Well, before we start that, I'm gonna do a real quick um bit of a trigger warning. Oh yes, for thank you, our guests. Um, because I know what I'm covering, and I don't know the details of your guys' stories, but for the next two weeks, we're going to be c- talking about a lot of, like, really, really specific gory uh, deaths and crimes. Yes. And then um, we're also going to be talking a lot about um, just subjects like suicide, sexual assault, um, just like a lot of, like, kind of tough topics. So if you are a type of person who is kind of triggered by that kind of stuff, we will not take it personally if you choose not to listen to these next two episodes. Um Please keep yourself in a good mental state. Um, Which if you're trying to stay in a good mental state, maybe. Yeah, don't listen. Just stop now. Um, I can speak for myself. Uh, I'm going to be talking about the deaths of um, pretty young people and pretty old people and very gruesome graphic deaths. So, yeah, if if you're rough around the edges there, don't listen. But what you can do is put on Archer. It's such a funny show. Um, maybe watch, see, so maybe four of those will equal an episode of ours. So watch four of those and then come back next week. We'll know. What you can do is click on over to An Hour of Your Life, which is my other podcast that I do with Steve. Oh, yeah. There it's wholesome go. and happy do that. for the most part. <laughs> and it's weekly. So so you can As go listen to, to that. Ours, which is every other week. Yeah. Yep. It won't give you nightmares. It, it might bore you, but it won't give you nightmares. As, a par- as opposed to ours. <laughs> yeah. Right. So this week we are going to the sunny state of California woop woop. to specifically the L.A. portion, Los Angeles. Yeah. And I am going to be talking about the CISA Hotel, which probably most of you will know because so much stuff has happened at this place. Most notably, 
uh, the like weird and mysterious death of uh, Elisa Lamb, which I'm actually covering next week. So if you heard the name Cecil Hotel and got really excited because of a Elisa Lamb story, you're going to have to tune in next week because there, like I said, there are so much other stuff that happens at this hotel. Is that the hotel where Marilyn Monroe died? Didn't she die in a hotel? I didn't see that in any of my notes. I you could didn't be wrong. Cecil that? I didn't but, Cecil um, that. Where's he? <laughs> oh my gosh. What? Oh. Yeah, our our fancy new board has a laugh track. So I just did it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, if you could have seen in. the eye roll that Casper just gave. Okay, stop I'm pushing sorry. buttons. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so much fun. Sorry, continue. We're <sighs> talking about murder. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> so the Cecil Hotel was built in uh, 1924 by William Banks Hanner. Uh, it was opened in 1927, and it had 600 guest rooms, which was very big for that time. That's still kind of big for this time. Right? Yeah. So it was originally built as a destination, uh, like, hotel for business travelers and tourists. So it was this, like, really cool kind of hoity-toity hotel. Um, it was designed by Loy Lester Smith in the bow art style. Ho, ho, ho. What's that mean, Casper? Means pretty. <laughs> <laughs> It means like super fancy and gold. Bougie. And bougie, yeah. Uh, so the lobby alone cost $1 million to complete in 1927 time. Whoa. It boasted an opulent marble lobby with stained glass windows and alabaster statuary. Are things I looked up on the internet. <laughs> I want to go there. I wonder do you know if, it still if that's like still that. there. Like the decor. Well, Yes, but mm. within the next five years, uh, the Great Depression happened. Uh. So it was pretty much the exact wrong time to build a luxury hotel. Casper, you always do this. You always find these beautiful, beautiful places that then fall into disrepair. And then you I'm sorry. Poop all over them. They right? wouldn't be haunted if they were still running unhappy. <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> So it, uh, it sunk into decay, and one of the main reasons was because the area around it became known as Skid Row. Oh. Um, so for the people who have heard of Skid Row, they know that's not a great place. Um, for people who haven't, uh, it is the largest, continually today, uh, population of homelessness, of like shanty towns and Hoovervilles and all of those places. So during this time, it had the homeless population was over 10,000 around, around the hotel. I have a question. So is is Skid Row like just one specific because I've heard of it before, but I didn't know what it was. Is that one specific place is Skid Row or is it like, oh, if there's a large homeless population, I th- I that's Skid think Row. It started, I think, there. And I then, read it as a single place, but I wouldn't be surprised if it became a term to like describe areas yeah. of that place. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. But I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard of it for sure. I, I think. Don't know a lot yeah, about I LA. think that's probably what happened. Is it started out as that specific place, and then it just became a generalized term for a yeah. an area where there's a big homeless population. Okay. So in order to survive, it became what's known as a budget hotel, which is basically just like a low priced hotel. Um, so think like think a shitty motel, but this one had 14 floors. <laughs> opulent marble. <laughs> uh, with opulent marble and alabaster statuary. <laughs> Not statue, statuary. All right, then. Mm. Uh, um, 
So, uh, so yeah, by the 1950s, uh, it had become a resident, uh, it, sorry, let me start that again. By the 1950s, the hotel had a reputation as a residency for transients, which are like travelers, but not the good kind. <laughs> um, it's like people who are traveling because they're like really shitty salesmen or like running away from bad situations. They're, these are people who are like living in the hotel for like periods of time. Um, and, uh, it even today will shut down pretty often because the employee turnover rate is so high. I mean, people just don't want to work there. It's probably there reason why. Cause it's freaking well, haunted. It's pretty haunted. Also the neighborhood's not that great. And, um, some other really fun stuff happens there that I'll get to in a second. Okay. Let's just say there's a reason for the ghosts. Ooh. Um, but uh, in 2011, the hotel was rebranded as the Stay on Main, and no one will let them have it. Literally, like, they keep trying to be like, no, we're the Stay on Main now. And everyone's like, nah, you're the Cecil Hotel. <laughs> Shut the fuck you're up. You're trying to change your name. <laughs> you're trying to. Which is actually, like, kind of bad because they were trying to rebrand so that they could turn it into, like, low housing, like, low income housing units. But because they can't rebrand, they can't do that. And so that would actually be really good for the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of, you know, shitty because all of these horror fanatics are like, but no, it's the Cecil Hotel. You can't change that. Yeah, well. So as that a horror sucks. fanatic, I'm kind of like, that sucks. Stop it, guys. Let them rebrand. Um. So... um. Long-term residents are so used to people going to this hotel and taking their own lives that the hotel is referred to as the suicide. Whoa. Like the suicide forest, right? Oh, yeah, where that YouTube jerk went and, like... Mm Mm-hmm. Logan Paul, uh, yeah. That asshole. Yeah, Yeah, don't watch his channel. He's an asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Don't, Don't support him. Support us instead. Right. Support us instead. Um, but yeah, there have been at least 16 non-natural deaths at the Cecil. And that's just non-natural, let alone natural deaths. Ooh. And an actual fun fact, it was the inspiration for season five of American Horror Story Hotel. I was wondering, I was wondering if it was that or if it was, um, oh, oh what's his name? I can't even think of it now. In the World's Fair, guys, H.H. Holmes. Thank you. Or if it was like a combination of the two. Because I know the character is supposed to be H.H. H. Holmes, I think. Oh, really? But I think... Yeah, there's a lot of different things that they bring into that one. But the hotel itself is supposed to be like the Cecil yeah. Hotel. Oh, okay. So, that being said, let's get into some of the deaths and crime yeah. that happened at this hotel. So, like I said, uh, because it was the area around it was in such decline, the hotel became kind of a place that people would go to commit suicide or do other violent crimes. Um, so, the first occurrence was in uh, 1929. And remember, the hotel opened in 1927. So, this was two years oh, after okay. it was opened. And still, like, kind of okay because it didn't take, like, they weren't a budget hotel for five years. Oh, yeah. So, this is still when it was, like, kind of okay. Um, but a woman was taken to the hospital because she had been wandering around the hotel for three days straight. Um, she told them that her husband had suddenly died and she had tried to poison herself, but it didn't work. So they took her to the hospital and she died at the hospital. Whoa. 
So that was the first. But the first documented suicide was on November 19th, 1933, uh, 1931, when guest W.K. Norton, age 46, uh, checked into the hotel a week prior to, com- to, uh, to committing suicide. He checked in under the name James Willis and said he was from Chicago, even though he was from basically the town over. Like, he lied and said he was, like, he put down an alias. That's weird that um, it's happening and he, so quickly, like, New hotel. Oh, just wait. Boom. Like all this stuff. Yep. Um, yeah, that is interesting that it happened like immediately right away. Yeah, because it's not like I thought you meant old or slowly gaining like bad juju. It's just this is here. It just hotel went up right away. Yeah, this is here. It's really nice. Yeah. Okay, now everyone's gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but he committed suicide by ingesting a poison capsule in his room, which is a way you don't hear very often. That's like Nazi stuff. That's yeah. Very interesting way to go. Hmm. That doesn't. Uh, <laughs> so then the next year in 1932, a maid found Benjamin Dodich, who was 25. Um, he had killed himself with a self-inflicted gunshot to the head. Mm. No note was left. Hmm. The next year, a man was fatally pinned against the hotel by a crashed truck. Whoa. Oh, that's a. Ooh. That's a that's a one. That's a one, yeah. So then, the next year in nineteen thirty or in July of nineteen thirty four, former army medic uh, Sergeant Lewis D. Borden, who was fifty three, was discovered with his throat slit with a razor. <gasps> Whoa! Several notes were around the uh, the uh, hotel room he was staying in. Most of them citing various medical like injuries and medical illnesses mm-hmm. being the cause. Wait, so so like he killed himself because, because he was sick. Yeah, because he was sick <sighs> and he was a medic, so he knew all of the causes. <sighs> he knew what would have been causing his own like pain, and he also he slit his throat with a razor. Yeah. All right, I'm just going to go out there right now. I am I I will not commit suicide. So, fear not when I say this. I'm not going to commit suicide, but if I were to commit suicide, I would not do it in that kind of way. I would overdose on pills. So painful. Yeah, like I would overdose or do something that or like fast. Yeah, you go to sleep and you don't wake up. I would not slit my wrist yeah. or my throat or shoot myself in the head or like Mhm. Nope. Yeah. Oh my arms hurt. No, you make a decent point. <laughs> um, in 1937, a woman named Grace Margot jumped from the ninth story window, and her fall was broken by the telephone <gasps> wires, which wrapped around her as she fell. Whoa! So wait, so yeah. are those are those live? Those telephone wires? Like, oh, I'm sure. Okay, so it's not like I'm sure because. I'm sure if you land on them and they catch your fall, I'm sure they're going to shock you because you're at least breaking the current because there's like, you know, a squirrel walks along it and it doesn't get shocked because it's not breaking the current. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure like breaking them as you fall is going to break the current. And I'm sure she got electrocuted. Oh, which probably is what killed her instead of the actual fall, because I don't think she actually made it all the way to the ground. I think the telephone wire stopped her. Yeah. Oh, that's awful. That makes sense, though. Oh, yeah, that's a bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, in January 1938, uh, Marine fireman Roy Thompson, 35, jumped from the Cecil's top floor to so the 14th floor and was found on the skylight of the neighboring building. So he's like trying to jump from one building to another? 
I think he was just trying to jump and he jumped too far. Oh, oh is it is it right next to? Probably. I mean, it's a city, so probably. Yeah. I don't know how cities work. I'm from a cornfield. So. <laughs> you country girl. You're telling me you that child of the corn, and then another building right <laughs> next to it. I don't. I don't get it. Yes, that is how it works. Buildings are next to each other. Okay. Very Notice. close. Sometimes there's little alleyways. There's cats that live there. Spooky. And cats are alleyways there. a magical place. They they really <laughs> are. All kinds of fun things they happen can be in alleyways. Really magical. <laughs> If you get the right drugs, then it'll be super <laughs> magical. <laughs> they really can be magical. If you get if you're tripping on X, then yeah, sure, they're real magic. Did you say axe? I said X. Like X is Don't do drugs, kids. Ecstasy. Don't do drugs. Don't do drugs. Okay, Miss <laughs> Would you s- just stop talking? Huh? <laughs> no. No. Okay, now I have a question. Cause I was gonna say Mr. and Miss. Cause I was gonna say like Oh, me? Yeah. That's a good question. Mix. Mix. Like, that's an actual... You say mix, like um, M-X mix, but I've never really identified with that. I guess, yeah, mix works. Mix? Mix. Is that how you pronounce that? Mix city person? M-X? Mix city. That sounds like (laughs) M-C city. Mix city. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay. I'm going to call you Mick. M-C. Okay, I'll take it. That's okay. also kind of a slur towards Irish people, but sure. Speaking of racist comments, <laughs> how is Mick McDonald's? Are you saying McDonald's is racist because they have an MC? No, the term Mick is a racist term because a lot of Irish surnames start with MC and is are pronounced really? Mick. Yes, it really is. Uh, yeah. You tried so hard. But, but, but you know what? You know what? I, uh, according to my genealogy reports, I'm like 53% Irish. And uh, so I will, so you bless us. I, I will yeah. go out on an Irish limb here and say it's all right. Okay. Okay. Cause, your, cause your intentions are pure. Mix city. Can <laughs> <Not laughs> we go back to the Cecil? <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry. <laughs> what was the whole point of this? There is, Jackie hasn't had sleep. That's the whole point. No, Cause I was, I was saying like, Oh, you cool city person. And you know how you say like, oh, like Mr. City boy or Miss City girl. And then I got like tripped Big up. old city mouse. You say city mouse? Yeah, city mouse, country mouse. There you go. Yeah. City mouse, country Mix mouse. Mixed city mouse. <laughs> Mixed city mouse. I found the name of our episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. All righty. Should we get back yes, to please. suicide? <laughs> All right. Before cool. Jackie commits one for her fallacy and... Apparently being super racist. So in 1939, (laughs) okay, we have to stop laughing because this is sad. Um, um, Well, actually, it's kind of funny because a man named Erwin Neblet. Neblet? That's a name. Erwin Neblet. Erwin Neblet. He was a country mouse. Anyways, he was found dead in his room because he ingested poison. I mean, that's not that Mm -hmm. sad. It's not really gruesome. I, I sad. It's sad, but it's not like it's super sad, gruesome, like but slitting your throat with notes all over the place. Yeah. Um, in 1940, a woman named Dorothy also ingested poison. And this next one is a fun one. And by fun, I mean terrible. Um, in 1944, September of 1944, a woman named Dorothy Jean Purcell. 
who was 19 years old, was sharing this kind of hostile style room. So she was sharing it with a stranger whose name was um, Ben Levine, who was a 38 year old shoe salesman. So uh, this girl, uh, Dorothy, she was unaware that she was pregnant and she went into labor. (gasps) But this woman was the politest woman in the history of the world because she didn't want to disturb her like the sleeping person in her room so she didn't want to disturb ben levine so she went into the bathroom and gave birth to her baby silently in the bathtub whoa this chick's hardcore can you imagine him waking up from his nap like (laughs) what just happened (laughs) like what the fuck gave birth to a baby while you're out (laughs) where'd this baby come from (laughs) well yeah see the baby wasn't crying when it was born And she thought it was dead. And so she threw the baby boy out of the window. <gasps> That's oh. not what you do with... You don't do that. <laughs> That's not what you do with babies, Dorothy. Yeah. I think this baby's dead. Oh. We'll take it to the hospital. Mm. Don't throw it out a window. PSA. Don't throw your baby don't out the window. Don't throw babies out windows. Don't throw Whoa. Out windows. Ever. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> well... So she was charged with murder, but she was uh, declared not guilty on grounds of insanity. Hmm. That's fair. So that's the fun, not fun story. Interesting. I don't like that. Um, uh, moving on. In 1947, Robert Cecil, ironically, um, died from jumping from the seventh floor window. And that same year, Elizabeth Short, who is the Black Dahlia, was rumored to have been last spotted drinking at that bar, mm. the like the Cecil's bar. So it was the last place she was seen alive. Mm. And that's a high profile. Oh yeah, case too. Like that is one of oh, yeah. the highest. It's super famous. Profile. So then, that, and it was super famous at the time too. I think. Yeah, like that's so weird because the was it Eliza Lamb in the Black Dahlia are probably Elisa Lamb. Yeah. Two of the most famous mysterious cases ever. And that's so weird that it's happening. And they at both the happened at this place. hotel. Yeah. Where where there's yeah. also other stuff happening. Like they're not just all of us are there. Two isolated cases. I mean, there's been no like proven facts, but like with this many things happening, I like I almost wonder if there's some kind of like vortex or like there are places where there are portals to hell. Like I'm wondering if there's some form of like weird spiritual thing happening here that's just causing all of these horrible things yeah there would almost have to be the only the only thing that i could see where it's a coincidence but this is more with the suicides like not the high profile cases is if like someone were gonna commit suicide and then they think oh there's this hotel where everyone does it yeah i'll like join in in that over time it becomes more and more popular yeah but that doesn't and i know like at the very beginning it was because it was this like a low income kind of impoverished neighborhood so you could go there and not be like stopped or seen oh. so you could kind of run away there so i know at first that was it but you're probably right with people who were thinking about like taking their own lives they were probably like you know there's this hotel that everybody else does it at mm. so might as well yeah. but yeah it is interesting, yeah. especially since like, yeah, like at least lamb happened there. Um, the Black Dahlia happened there. I'll get to another really fun thing in a little bit that I'll talk just briefly on. Um, but like other really fun stuff and by fun, I mean terrible stuff happened here. Um, but we'll get there. So in 1954, a woman named Helen jumped from the fifth story and landed behind the marquee sign. So they didn't find her for a while. <gasps> Ooh. Yeah. So no one knew. So no one knew. Yeah. 
1962, a girl named Julia jumped from the eighth floor. Um, oh, this one actually is, is still a terrible one, but kind of fun. Um, on October 12th, 1962, again, um, Pauline Otto, 27, jumped from the window of her ninth story floor after an argument with her estranged husband, Dewey. She landed on a pedestrian, George Gianni, 65 years old, and killed them both. Whoa. I, it seems like there's a lot of stuff going on on the ninth floor. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There's a lot of jumpers on it's the ninth like floor. It's like from the seventh to ninth is where like a lot of them happen. Mm. You would think it'd be the roof or the top story, but no, a lot of, it's usually like seventh to ninth, mm. a lot of it happens. I feel like. It's like the wanna, like, second or third one, fourth one maybe that was on the ninth floor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, they originally thought that it was a double suicide, that they had jumped together, but oh. it was discovered that Gianni, the man, had his hands still in his pockets oh and his shoes still. Gosh, on. talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Um, so this one is actually, I'm not even going to make a joke. This one is actually terrible. Um, uh, but in 1964, a woman named Pigeon Goldie, which is a fun name, um, Pigeon Goldie Osgood. Uh, was a very well-known and well-liked retired telephone operator, um, and she was found in her room dead. She had been raped, beaten, and stabbed, and her room was in r- ransacked. Mm. She had earned her name because she fed the birds in Pershing Square, mm. and near her body was found the Los Angeles Dodgers cap she always wore and a paper sack full of bird seeds. Aww. So sad. And she had, like, the sweetest name, too. Yeah. Yeah, and she was really well-liked, and she was retired, and, like, she was just a really nice person. Mm -hmm. Well, hours after her murder, Jacques B. Ellinger, who was 29, was seen walking through Pershing Square with blood-stained clothing. So he was arrested, um, but, uh, like, a a couple hours later, he was cleared because they knew he hadn't done that crime. They don't know what crime he did, but he didn't do that crime. Um, and her death still remains unsolved. Whoa. We don't know who did it. So did he get what year was this? arrested for anything? No, he walked free. Well, I have no idea why he had bloodstained clothing. It was in 1964. Hmm. Did they, I wonder if they could DNA test if they had anything now. If they did it now. Or at least see if it's yeah, like human know. or not. Yeah. I'm sure those clothes are probably like way gone now. Yeah. But. Probably. Um, but in 1975, a still unidentified woman jumped from the 12th floor. There's a higher floor, um, onto the second floor, like the next door, second floor roof. And so many people had jumped to their deaths at this point. The next door neighbors, the like roof she landed on sued the Cecil hotel for negligence of their guests. Wow. They were like, we've been watching this for years. We're so tired of this shit. Take care of your people. Put bars yeah. on your windows or like, something like put Honestly, bars in your yeah. windows. Make it stop. Nail them shut. So yeah, just keep them locked or closed or something. Put an alarm on them. Make it at least a little bit difficult to do this guys. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that I kind of alluded to, in 1985, Richard Ramirez, who was nicknamed the Night Stalker, lived in the hotel for, like, the weeks during his, like, killing spree, where he murdered a bunch of people. Um, He chose the hotel because of its reputation, um, and it was, he quoted, he was quoted saying, totaled unmitigated chaos. That's what the hotel was? And it was, that's what, like, That's what Richard Ramirez Ramirez thought the hotel was. 
totaled unmitigated chaos. That's super interesting. Uh-huh. It, at that time, he was only staying there for $14 a night, and he would return home from his murders, throw his bloody clothes in the dumpster behind the building, and then walk into the hotel half naked. <laughs> and, like, nobody thought but anything because, of it because... Because it was such a weird neighborhood already, nobody batted an eye. Everyone was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm almost done with the crime, I promise. Then we'll get to the ghosts. <laughs> I know this I know this sounds like this is a lot of crime. It's cause so much things happened That's insane, here. Though. The, like, I I just don't for for one building. Yeah. For one building, all of this stuff that's happened. And the span from like the nineteen twenties to current. Yeah, like that's not a like, that's years. not a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's not even a hundred years yet. Yeah. That's like my grandma. Yeah. My grandma's age. I mean, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, Yeah, but yeah, whoa. Kind of puts it into perspective. That's like one person's lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. But the last one I'm going to talk about, um, excuse me, I have to burp. Of course. Anyways, that was cute. Thanks. Big City Slim. Um, That's what I'm calling Casper. (laughs) Big City Slim. Big City Slim. Sorry. Okay. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. I'll take it. (laughs) Sure. So in 1991, Austrian ser- uh, serial killer Jack Unterwinker, which uh, Unterwinker, I think. I think it's pronounced Underwinker. It's an Austrian name. Unterwinker. Unter. Unterwinker. 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 Anyways, he stayed at the hotel for five weeks while he was an investigative journalist. Only fun fact, he was not only an investigative journalist, he was also a serial killer. Of course he was. And he was murdering sex workers and then reporting on the crime and using his like knowledge of the crime just to confuse that. the investigation. I just learned about that like a week ago. That's crazy. So his it was like insane, like terrible, but also brilliant yeah. to like pull that stunt off in like not even like old times. Like this was 1991. Oh, wow. This was only a couple years ago. Um, I mean, a few years ago, but a couple years yeah. ago. Um, but his first murder was actually in 1974, and he had strangled 11 sex workers in Prague before he came to the United States. Um, and his M.O. was always to strangle them with their own bras. That's insane. Not a great way to go. I don't like that. I don't even know how. I don't like that. He was eventually caught, um, but not before murdering three prostitutes in the hotel Cecil itself um so he was caught in 1994 and he was sentenced to life in prison in Austria however very quickly into his sentence he hung himself in his cell using the same knot that he had used on all of his victims I thought you were gonna say he hung himself with a bra Hmm. I don't know how he would get a bra it's a male prison I wonder if he used his underwear maybe that was just like where my brain or just clothing yeah He's not very creative, though, is he? I mean, like, he really, like, or... I mean, if you have an M.O. Or skilled with... I mean, I guess he gets points for, like, journalistic creativity, but he only knew one knot. Also, okay, this is a random thing that (laughs) bothers me. Only knew one knot. Yeah, he only... Yeah. Um, But the one thing that bothers me is is when people get committed of a crime. Like, you do insanely horrible things. You get life in prison, and then when those people kill themselves right away, like they're in prison for two oh, days. Oh, yeah. And it's like, I'm sorry, did you not want to suffer? Like, 
the whole point of this is to punish you because you're a horrible right, person. Yeah. And it's it's something too about like they got to end it on their terms. Like, no, you did a really crappy thing. Like, yeah. And then you do all those horrible things, and then you get to like. Yeah, and the victims. Out. I remember reading about that. So I read um some the survivor stories from some of Ariel Castro's victims, the guy who up mm-hmm. in Cleveland who kidnapped girls and like kept them and like raped them and got uh, one of them pregnant and had she had a baby um and he committed suicide not long after he was found guilty actually i'm not even sure if he was found guilty i can't remember but they were really upset they were like we were denied yeah. justice mm-hmm. we wanted to see him suffer yeah yeah anyways you want to hear about some ghosts i would love to hear about yeah. some ghosts i'm sure there are plenty to choose from so unsurprisingly, it's known as the most haunted hotel in L.A. Shocking. I can't see why. <laughs> why would that be a thing? So here's just some common things that could happen to just anybody who is walking through the hotel. Um, doors will open by themselves. People will hear talking in empty rooms. Uh, people have felt their arms get grabbed when they're walking alone. There's the sound of windows and doors to, like, the roof being opened, even though both of them are now locked. Oh, finally. Um, finally, they locked them. Um, people feel tugs on their clothing and sometimes even, like, the sensation of being pinched. Um, people have also felt their hair being played with. One person felt it get yanked. Oh, I don't like that. Yeah. The scent of women's perfume will follow people throughout the hotel. Just like a cloud of perfume will just follow you. Can give me a headache. Um, as you pointed out, floors seven and eight feel very uncomfortable when you walk through them as though somebody is like breathing down your neck as you walk through the halls. Ugh. Which, like you pointed out, is like where most of the majority of the people who jumped is from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, people are afraid to be in the basement by themselves because they have seen shadow people chase them. <gasps> Which is a whole new fun level to shadow people. Well, we're yeah. going to talk about the basement here in a few minutes. You. Yeah. We are? Oh, yeah, we What'd are. I said we're going to talk about the basement in a few minutes. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lost my place in my notes. Uh, huh, 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 huh. Oh, okay. Uh, so <laughs> people have heard a whispered chuckle. Mm. I don't 100% I don't know, that know how that works. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. I, I can only assume it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <I'm done>. Anyways, <laughs> so shadow figures have been seen in guest rooms. I don't think those ones chase you. I think it's just the basement ones chase mm. you. Uh, cleaning staff will enter rooms and feel a dark presence, which then follows them from room to room until they finally turn around to see the room that they had just cleaned in a total mess again. Oh, that would make me so mad. That is such a dick move by the ghosts. Yeah. Clearly they don't care, but (laughs) (laughs) clearly. (laughs) And sometimes at night people hear screams from outside the building as if somebody is falling. Um, which is called a lot, like caused a lot of false calls. Um, so here are some specific things that could happen in your room. Um, someone could sit on your bed while you're trying to sleep. Uh, people have heard p- uh, people singing in their own showers. 
Ugh. Oh, I cannot handle that. No, like you're trying to take a shower and somebody's in there with you singing. Nope. Or what if Just you were singing in bed and you're like, um, and someone was singing in the shower. Yeah. And you're in like you're in the hotel alone, like nobody's sharing the room with you, and all of a sudden you just hear like humming I would, coming from your shower. I would feel better if I was in bed and heard somebody singing in the shower than if I was in if the shower were- and somebody was in there with me singing. <laughs> that is true. Shower time is like the most vulnerable time where oh, yeah. you're like, No, please, I'm naked. I don't want to die yeah. now. I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm naked and afraid. <laughs> um Luggage will be taken out of your bag and folded on the bed, which is weirdly nice <laughs> of the ghosts. It is. Also, you will lose random items and they will appear in random places like the elevator. Hmm. <laughs> which I find hilarious. You're like, God damn it, where did my toothbrush go? And you open up the elevator and just sitting there on the floor and you're like, Well, I don't want it now. Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me like, of I don't want it when back. Steve and I went to the Stanley and we stayed there for a night. The Stanley Hotel in Colorado, and uh, and Ooh, I lost it. my deodorant. Like it just disappeared. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Ghosts like to do that. They like to steal things and then like put them in like the most obvious place where like you'll like walk back into a room and it'll be sitting in the middle of the room and you're like, I couldn't have missed that. So There's no way I could have missed this that. This is a very serious ghost. Qu- not. It's, yeah, yeah. 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 Um. But so if something like that happens, what I want to know, so if a ghost moves something of yours, if, I mean, I've no one's ever really seen it happen, but I wonder if the item shifts. Like if it ends up in the elevator, does it drag down the hall? Oh, yeah. Is it in the elevator or does or it Or like, like did anybody see, uh, yeah, did anybody see like a deodorant floating down the it, hall? Like, I don't know. I always assume that like it's kind of gets like sucked into a pocket dimension almost like it no longer exists in our world because you will search high and low for your things and you cannot find them. They're nowhere to be found. It's a good question. Um, and then all of a sudden I've they're back. It's a great question. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. They might move. I always assumed it was kind of you like phase them out into whatever world ghosts are mm, living in. Yeah. I always think like, sense. oh, it's not there and then it is. But I never think of like the the in-between Period. Yeah. I never thought of that yeah. either. That's a great question. It's always bothered yeah, me. It's a really you fun should one. sleep less often more often. I get really profound when I <laughs> You're really profound. I feel like I'm kinda drunk, to be honest. <laughs> I'm not. Do I need it's to okay. I was hungover no. last week. Okay. What? I said it's fine. I was hungover last week. Yeah, well, you know. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so the faucet and the shower heads will turn on randomly by themselves. And if you go to check on them, they won't be on. But when you decide to leave, they will suddenly turn back on. Like the ghosts are like, yeah, no, we did do that. Sorry, we were fucking with you. <laughs> oh, like, yeah, that was us. You weren't crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, there's also the sound of pacing in your room randomly, followed by the sound of pacing in your closet. Oh, that would drive me nuts. Big yeah. old bag of nope for me. That's annoying. It also, you can hear knocking coming from the inside of your closet and like the hangers moving by themselves. Mm. Ew. I don't like that. Ew. <laughs> I don't like that either. I don't um, like any of this actually. You also could yeah. hear, you can also hear like knocks on your door, but if you go and open it, there won't be anybody there. If you look through the peephole, the knock will continue even though there won't be anybody in the peephole when you look through. Ooh, that's unsettling. Several people have also come back to their room to find figures sleeping <gasps> in their beds. 
No. One guest actually approached it and like went to move the blanket. And when he went to go move it, the blankets collapsed. <gasps> Whoa. <I have> <laughs> Ugh. Oh, you do? Hotel. You have like legit goosebumps. I yeah. can see them from across the table. Casper, you want to see my goosebumps? You can't see them. Oh, you can't. I can't see them. They're there. There they are. I'm so proud. I'm always proud when I give you goosebumps. <laughs> it's not hard, honestly. <laughs> hi, baby. Artemis has come to say hi. Hi, Artemis. Yeah, meow. Um, she's like right off camera. Come on camera. And, and playing with the blinds. Oh, goody. Be careful. Come over if here. Your Come cats say hi. Break oh, those. You'll have to replace hey them. That's what we've been dealing with this. Yeah. Time. Ooh. Um. I <laughs> see like a random <laughs> fluff of tail. There's an orb um, on here. Anyways, <laughs> it's a big fluffy orb. Um. And the last thing that could randomly happen is if you turn lights on, they'll turn themselves off, or if you turn lights off, they'll turn themselves on. Basically, they're always what you don't want them Ugh. to be. Mm. That and the pacing would be enough to be like, you know what? I'm just annoyed. I want to leave here. Yeah. Not scared. I'm, I'm just, just annoyed. annoyed. Um, so here are some specific spirits that uh, people have seen and like accounted. So people have seen apparitions of the Black Dahlia at the bar. Um, and after seeing her apparition, almost always the drink you're holding will somehow fall over and spill Ooh. on you. Kind of a dick move there, Dahlia. I wonder mm. if something happened. Cause with yeah, because she disappeared, right? Yeah, yeah. It makes you wonder what if she was her, poisoned. You know, she's trying to like save you. Ooh, she was poisoned, or if it was drugged. Yeah, yeah and she's like knocking it out of your hand. Hmm. So maybe not a dick move. Yeah, it could It'd be a quick misunderstanding. Jeez, Casper, be <laughs> a little more open-minded. Hi, I'm Casper, and I'm here to judge. <laughs> Good shirt. Um, <laughs> so hotel guests have woken up to something tugging on their bed sheets and the sound of growling in their ears. Ooh. Super fun. Um, people have also reported having dreams of shadow people attacking them, and when they wake up, they see a shadow figure on top of them in real life before it vanishes. Ooh, nope. Nope, don't like that. Yeah. People have also heard singing, humming, and whistling. And if, like, when people went to go investigate it, they were pushed to the ground and they heard barking. What? Oh, that's weird. Yeah, weird. And this last spirit, who, in my opinion, is the worst of them, um, while you are asleep, this spirit will attempt to hug you. Little creepy, but not that bad. If he is successful, I'm just going to assume it's a dude. If he was successful, he will hold you down and try to tickle you. No, <laughs> absolutely not. One guest in particular said that he held her ankle down and tickled her <gasps> foot for so long. It felt like her skin was being scratched oh, off. I hate that so much. Oh, that's the worst I hate one. it so much. I hate being tickled. I hate being tickled so this much. This ghost would be like, dying oh, a second time. Ghost. You can't stop him. I feel horrible because that's the one that bothers me the most. <sighs> oh, no, I know. It bothers me the most, too. I'm like, that's literal. That's actual torture. Yeah. I relate like, to that one. Yeah. <laughs> that one I can relate to. <laughs> so the last note I have is only one picture has ever been recorded, which is. We yeah, we're good. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's Jackie a door that's shut open the door. and I'm in the basement and it freaks me out. So I shut it. There's nothing in there except okay, dirty laundry. Enough. I heard the bang, and I'm wondering if it came up on the recording. 
it was a ghost. Because if I heard it, 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 <laughs> it was a ghost. Oh no! My house is not old enough to be haunted. Sorry. I was upset. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> so yeah. So the last uh, last point I have is only one picture has ever been recorded, which is odd for a like very very haunted hotel for there only to be one photo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was in 2014, a year after Elisa Lamb went missing, um, a teenager took a picture of a window and you can look it up online. It appears as if a woman is like half in the window and half getting out onto like a ledge. Mm-hmm. Only there's no ledge. So she's like kind of suspended in midair. Ooh. And like the window's closed. So she's like half inside and half out and she's like climbing out. So it's the only picture that has ever been found. Which is super weird for such a haunted house. That is house. weird. Huh. But yeah, that's the Cecil Hotel. Super fucked up. All right. So uh, now I'm super, super excited about this because I'm going to take a break from my normal, like, sort of boring history and talk about one of the most famous residents of the Cecil Hotel, one of only two serial killers that I'm actually afraid of. The great and terrible Richard Ramirez. Yay! So, oh, and by that, I mean boo! Yeah. I am terrified of Richard. The only other serial killer that I'm afraid of is the toy box killer. And I know Casper doesn't like the toy box oh, killer either. Like so we're like never going to talk about the toy box killer. Um, but Richard Ramirez, I am terrified of just because to me, Richard Ramirez is evil personified. Mm-hmm. Like there Fair. is no rhyme or reason to Richard Ramirez, he's just bad. Uh, we're going to, the time period that we're looking at is like 1984, 1985. At the time, LA County had about 10 million people. Yeah, that's, Shoot, that's yeah. a pretty significant, yeah. Uh, so Mr. Richard Ramirez, um, who was known as Richie for a good portion of his life, uh, was born actually on, on a leap day. On February 29th, 1960. So that was kind of oh, interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Oh, wait. Not yeah, awesome. Sorry. He doesn't just. No, I mean, it's kind of interesting. He doesn't yeah, get to have It was kind of interesting, birthday. though. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was the youngest of five kids. His dad was a cop in Juarez, Mexico, before they immigrated to America. And then dad got a job working for the railroad. Um, he was not a very nice guy. Like, he was super, oh. super abusive. Um, and Richard's biggest influence was his cousin, Mike. And I'm not sure if it was his mom's, his mom's. What side of the family like it was? His cousin on his mom's side or his dad's side. But Mike was a Green Beret in Vietnam. Okay. And he was a very twisted individual. He had lots of pictures of women that he'd raped in Vietnam. Oh. Um, a picture of one of just, and again, this is really violent stuff. Again, um, one of the women's pictures was just her head. Oh shit! So, yeah. Wow. Super messed so up. Photos of that stuff. Yes. And how old oh. was Rich- Richie? Is what we're calling him right now. How old was Richie at this time? He, yeah. Uh. Well, he Richie started smoking pot at about age ten. Cool. And so he would smoke. Uh, so like 10, 11, 12, he's hanging out with cousin Mike. So not a good time to see those photos. Not yeah, a good no. time in one's developmental age. He yeah. would hang out with cousin Mike and smoke, and Mike would teach him all about the military and 
Um, basically, M- Mike is kind of uh, Richard's mentor. He's the one that taught him knife skills and oh, not about wow. different kinds of guns. Not and, a great mentor there, Richie. Um, not a good choice. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was around this time that uh, Richie started sleeping in the local cemetery to get away from his dad. Oh, yeah, it's actually really sad. It is. It is. Uh, that, and that's what I'm saying. Like mm-hmm. the, he, this guy never had. He didn't have a chance. He never had a yeah. chance. Mm-hmm. So his his dad wasn't. His dad was abusive. He didn't make very much money. He was not from America. He had five kids to take care of. The youngest one started smoking pot at age ten and hanging out with his crazy murderous cousin. Showed like, him pictures of decapitated heads. Yeah. Yeah. Mom was in the picture, but you have to remember sort of the culture too of the, the, um, yeah, kind of like mom was, she was a wife and mother and that was it. Like she did what her husband said. She was subservient. He beat on her all the time. Like I mean, she isn't just that how was, all women are supposed to be? oh yeah. Oh yeah. I forgot. That's how all women are supposed to be. Fuck. I'm failing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but wait. It gets of worse. Of course it does. Yeah, I mean, we're only at 10. So. Yeah, yeah. when he was 13, okay. when he was 13, Richard watched Mike shoot his fa- wife in the face with <gasps> a 38. Oh, yeah. That, that'll fuck you yeah. up real bad. That he was married to? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So Richard was there when Mike and his wife got in an argument, and Mike shot her in the face with a 38 caliber. Oh, my gosh. Uh. He was actually found not guilty by reason of insanity. What the fuck? And he was released. So this was 1963. In 1977, um, Mike was released from the Texas State Mental Hospital. That fills me with so, so much So he only, he served, what, 14 years? Not enough. That's but, and it wasn't even no. serving it. No, like, he went mental, to a mental I mean, hospital. I don't mean just in a mental institution. Mental institutions yeah. are not good and still are not good, but... Right, yeah. But he, but shot, he shot his, his wife, wife in the face with a 38. Face over, I'm guessing what was probably a petty argument. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, about that time, or not too long after that, Richard moved in with his older sister, Ruth. And Ruth's creepy husband, who would take Ramirez along when he went out on Peeping Tom excursions in the neighborhood. Yeah. So. um, I have a weird, creepy (laughs) obsession. Let me take this child along with me. That'll be fun. Yeah. So. Impressionable young child. So bear in mind. Yeah. He's still pretty young at this point. Um, And uh, he's already been living in a cemetery by himself. He has been exposed to extremely violent imagery of rape and murder. He watched his cousin get shot in the face by her husband. He is now going out on regular routine trips around the neighborhood to peek in windows with his uncle or his uh, brother-in-law. Um, it was about that time that he started LSD regularly. I, mean, I can't say I'm which surprised. It makes sense. Yeah, and he became a Satanist. A little bit more surprising. I mean, hi, I'm, sometime hi, I'm in Casper, middle school. I'm here to judge. Yeah. <laughs> sometime in middle school, he got work at a Holiday Inn, but he was fired after he attempted to rape a guest. I'm glad they fired yeah, him. That'll do it. 
And although he was caught by the woman's husband who came back into the room unexpectedly, like Richard was like a housekeeper, like his job was to clean the rooms. And he, the husband walked in on him attempting to rape the woman and he was uh, presumably fired on the spot. I would hope so. Wow. This was all before ninth grade, (gasps) which is when he dropped out of school. Are you Yeah. Yeah. See why he's so, and I haven't even gotten into his, oh, sorry, Casper just fell over. <laughs> Casper just fell I, over. I, I just watched me just go, woo. <laughs> nice timing. So yeah, this was all before he, he dropped out of school in ninth grade. So, the, and this is before he even before really he started, started crimes. Crying. Like he tried to rape a woman. Like. But the, he hasn't even really started anything yet besides, like, drugs. I don't think I held anyone's hand at this point in my life. <laughs> I know that, like, Kim, you and I discussed this briefly. Um, but, like, we were talking about, uh, like, why it is so much harder to cover serial killers than it is ghost stories. Um, and it's just it's interesting because with ghost stories, yes, they're, of course, real. Um, but if you are if you don't believe, then potentially you can just be like, well, you know, that death happened a really long time ago. With serial killers, most yeah. of them are pretty current and it's really graphic yeah. and you can't hide. Like there's no disbelief. It's all real. But yeah, you can't get the away hardest from them. part about serial killers mm. is that there's some bit of empathy there. Like there's some bit that you like you feel for this kid. Yeah. Where you're like w- even Richard Ramirez, even like him. as terrifying as he is to me, I f- I do feel a little bit bad. Like he and some serial killers like Dahmer is really easy for me to feel bad for. Maybe we might cover him in a future Maybe. episode, but I have a lot of empathy for Jeffrey Dahmer. Richard Ramirez is a little bit harder for me to feel bad for, but he, because I do, I do feel like he was just a bad, bad yeah. person from almost from birth. Like situation. It was a situational thing more so than. I think it was actually less of a situational thing. I think he was born bad but he was he was born into a perfect situation to cultivate, cultivate and and grow that badness isn't that what situation fun little because it's the situation no i think of that... situational as like he was born good but it, like nature versus nurture yeah, like say, he was born good but situationally yeah so i think that he was nature nature bad and nurtured worse I disagree, but like we can disagree. I would think that the things he experienced as a child, like he might have had stuff in his like in his brain that would have triggered that kind of stuff. But I don't think it would have happened unless he had been exposed to all the stuff as a kid. Because you're crossing be. a lot of boundaries saying like, oh, killing people is OK. Like, yeah, you like at a very young age, there's something fucked up in his brain of how he's thinking. And sorry, I'm swearing a lot in this episode. Um, my <laughs> bad. Um, it's, I mean, it's a dark subject it matter, but like, yeah, I'm assuming there's something going on with how his brain is working, but I don't necessarily think he was quote unquote born evil. I think he could yeah, have lived could a be. normal life if he hadn't been exposed to all of this crime and violence and drugs and like really awful things as a kid. Yeah, that, that could be true. Yeah. He could have been like a sociopath. That was successful. Could have been like Bill Gates. Yeah, just was a CEO. Steve Jobs. Yep. You never know. Um, In 1982, so up to this point, he'd been living in Texas. In 1982 is when he moved to California. 
And this is where we're going to get into his time at the Cecil Hotel. Um, and this is where I mentioned, you mentioned the basement yeah. and the shadow figures chasing you in the basement. So Richard Ramirez first, like the first murder that is attributed to him happened on April 10th, 1984. This is also his youngest victim, Mei Leung. Uh, she um, was murdered in the basement of the hotel where Richard Ramirez, well, were in the Cecil Hotel where he was living. She was raped and hung from a pipe uh, at nine years old. So this little girl's nine years old, raped, hung from a pipe in the basement of the Cecil. No, I understand so why the shadow figures do what are you will with you. Yeah. Uh, interestingly... And this is the only time that in Richard Ramirez's criminal career that this happens. In 2016, detectives actually released information that suggested that there may have been a second person present. And this was the only time they said that? Yep. In any of his other crimes, it was always just him. And there was never anybody else apprehended for the rape and murder of the nine-year-old little girl. Who? Oh, wow. Who would have... Ben. someone yeah yeah because he would so richard ramirez was born in 1960 so he would be 59 today wow so this other person that was there in the basement with him if there was another person but yeah which, which i can't idea. imagine yeah but i can't imagine that detectives would have put that information out so much later because this was in 2016 long after richard ramirez long after the crime after richard ramirez had died in 2016, and they never identified who it was. They just said that there was a, a, a definite likelihood that there was a second assailant present at the time, which is kind of interesting. You wonder if it was, like, his cousin or, like, the brother-in-law. It, it could have like been. The people who had already had that establishment who, like, he knew that they were okay with that kind of things. It very well could have been because he was out yeah. by then. Um, Because this was in 1984 and Mike was released in 1977. So it's entirely likely. Did you just solve the case, Casper? I think I did. You may have. (laughs) Um, So what we're going to get into now is sort of a timeline of Richard Ramirez's murders. Um, I'm not going to talk about all of them, but I am going to talk about the uh, sort of the ones that kind of stood out to me as particularly either particularly brutal or significant in um, later apprehending him. So the fun and by fun, we mean terrible stories. Yeah. yeah. So that was, um, so he, and also Richard Ramirez, the other thing, aside from the fact that uh, Richard Ramirez had no MO, like he didn't, he didn't go after a certain demographic. He didn't use a certain weapon he did use a 22 when he shot people he did use a 22 caliber gun handgun more often than so not he had his own but yeah but he also stabbed people he hung he hung the little girl like he had no mo whatsoever um and that's one of the things that that is really scary to me and also he wasted no time he's not one of these people that like would kill once a year uh, like once every six months. This is like, there were times that he committed multiple murders on the same day, Jeez. multiple times. 
So um, Mei Lung, Lung, I'm not sure how you, L-E-U-N-G, I'm not great with Asian pronunciation, but she was April 10th, 1984. June 28th of that same year, he, he uh, murdered, and this one was interesting, 79-year-old Jenny Vincow hmm. was stabbed in her bed, and this one kind of went back to Mike, I think, a little bit. Um, her throat was slit so deeply that she was nearly decapitated. Jeez. I see so it reminded like, me of that picture yeah, by no age that Mike had nine to like what? 79. You said, uh, 79, nine. He went from nine to 79 70 years. and it reminded me. Yeah. Reminded me of the picture that Mike yeah. had of him with the woman's severed head. Oh my gosh. <sighs> and 19 March 17th, 1985. So we're jumping ahead a few months. Maria Hernandez was 22. She returned from dinner with her boyfriend. Um, an hour later, police got a call for the wounding of one and the murder of another. Um, she lived with, Maria lived with her friend, uh, Dale Okazaki. Uh, she was 34. And Maria had basically, like, she went into the garage and had been surprised for, by um, Ramirez from behind. When he raised his gun, she begged him not to shoot, but obviously he did anyway. The bullet ricocheted off Maria's car keys and hit her in the hand. Oh. So, um, she, yeah, so she like ducked behind a car or whatever and played dead, I guess. Richard Ramirez went into the house, shot and killed Dale Okazaki. She kind of made her way out of the garage at the, she made her way out of the garage at the same time that he was leaving the house and they met up out front. And, she said to him, and this is another, like this, this also is perfect. This explains why I, ugh. she said to him, you already shot me once. Please don't do it again. So we left. He was like, hmm, all right, makes sense. You're like you make a and decent so he just point. walked off. Like, yeah, basically he's like, all right, I, I got him. Yeah. And he just walked away. Didn't run away. Just like kind of shrugged it off and was like, all right. And left, what? walked off. I mean, even I'm glad that she wasn't killed, but oh, I don't like that. Yeah. Um, such yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. All right. That was about the time that he uh, started getting names. Like he kind of started making his way into the press and he was one that followed press on himself. Like he really wanted to at first. Um, and we'll kind of get back to this later, but he followed the news stories about himself he had several names, including the Valley Intruder, because he also um, was a burglar. The Walk-In Killer, and his favorite was the Night Stalker, which is also how he referred to himself. Mm. He used, uh, I mentioned before, he used a variety of weapons, including a 22 caliber handgun, knives, a machete, a tire iron, a hammer, rope, all kinds of stuff. Were these things... Eventually, he was... Were these things that he brought with him or like found on the property? Both. Eventually, he was found guilty of 13 murders. Now, this is in the span of like a year. Jesus Christ. 13 murders, five attempted murders, 11 rapes, and 14 burglaries. Calm. So that's like one one a week. Calm down there, buddy. Almost. So Maria Hernandez and Dale Okazaki were on March 17th, 1985. On March 27th, so 10 days later... He returned 
to the home of 64-year-old Vincent Zazara and his wife, Maxine. Now, he'd robbed them a year before. So he came back. So he went back. Yeah, he went back to their house. Um, He shot Vincent. He beat and robbed Maxine and then shot and stabbed her. Once she was dead, he removed her eyes and put them in a jewelry box, which he took with him. No, no, I don't like that. Yeah. Now, this is significant because it's the first time. Now, Richard Ramirez was a big guy, too. He wasn't, um, he was tall. He was 6'1". He was not, I, most people don't think he was attractive, although later on in his trial phase, um, he had groupies, as a lot of serial killers do. Why the fuck? But he was, he was very, he was tall. He was six foot one, but he was thin. Um, He was known as, he had bad teeth, like real bad teeth, and he was smelly. So he's like stinky dick Ramirez. Stinky dick. Um. One of his victims that lived described him as having a smell like wet leather. Oh, oh. gross. I mean, that's kind of fitting. Yeah. Honestly. Um, but he wore a size 11 and a half shoe. And we know that, I mean, they they first discovered this because uh, at the Zazaro at the house was the first time that his size 11 and a half shoe print, a via shoe print, was found outside a home. And eventually, those Avia shoes are what's going to lead to his capture. Hmm. So, uh, fast forward a couple months to May 29th, 1985. We're back to some older people. Mabel Bell, age 83, and her sister Nettie Lang, age 81, Mm -hmm. were both bludgeoned with a hammer. He shocked Mabel with an electrical cord. And although both women lived initially, they were discovered. It took two days for somebody to discover them. Um, they were comatose, and Nettie Lang later died in the hospital mm. as a result of her wounds. That's really sad. Uh, July 5th, July 5th, 1985, he went after a 16-year-old by the name of Whitney Bennett. Uh, this was the tire iron. He beat her with a tire iron, and this one is crazy. He beat her with a tire iron, and he tried to strangle her with a phone cord, but the cord sparked, she started breathing, and he freaked out because he thought that Jesus intervened and saved her, and he ran oh my off. God. So she lived. She lived, but she had to get four hundred thirty-eight stitches in her Holy scalp. Crap. That's a yeah. That's so many. Wow. Yeah. That's July fifth, July seventh. <gasps> he beat sixty-one-year-old Joyce Nelson to death with his fists and his feet. And so he two days later? did so much damage that he left an Avia shoe print on her face. So two days yeah. later. Now it's just two days later. Two days later. Now do you see why he's my, like, I'm terrified of this guy. Yeah, I'm I so didn't fully dead. understand when you first said that. And I was like, yeah, sure. I mean, he's bad. But no, I get it now. Now I get it. No, he's real bad. Uh, that was July 7th, August 18th. Um, I, I kind of chuckled at these people's name. Peter and Barbara Pan. Nice. Um, so this is when uh, the Night Stalker was on the move. Up until this point, all of his crimes had been committed in L.A., but he attacked Peter Pan in San Francisco. The Pans were in the San Francisco Bay Area, and the mayor of San Francisco um, made a stupid move 
and because remember Ramirez watched himself on yeah. the news like he was well aware that he his crimes he were being covered the mayor of San Francisco announced to the press that the ballistics and the shoe print evidence at the pan house matched the LA crimes and the detectives were furious because they figured they figured that he was probably watching himself on the news and sure enough that night he dumped his shoes off the bri- off the Golden Gate Bridge and hightailed it back to LA. Oh. What a dumb move. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh August 24th. Um this kid is a hero. 13-year-old James Romero. Um, he heard noises outside his house and he alerted his parents. Uh, they, between the three of them, they scared Ramirez off, but, um, James managed to get the make model and color of Richard Ramirez's car and a partial plate. Good job, James. Snaps James. Yeah. 13 years old. This kid, this kid was a hero. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Ramirez also left the Avia shoe print there. I thought he's dumped his shoes. So he... He did, but he bought new ones. Was it the same ones? Apparently, which is <laughs> stupid, but yeah. He was he was brand loyal at least, I guess. I like guess so. yeah. yeah, there's something. Um that same night when he couldn't he couldn't get into the Romero house, he went to um the home of thirty year old Bill Carnes and his fiance Inez Erickson, who was twenty nine. He shot shot Bill Carnes. Um, killed him, and then beat, raped, and robbed her. She lived, and she gave a detailed description of him to the police. Good for her. I also... So August 24th... James and his family don't feel, like, guilty because they got, like... They escaped, and because of that, he went and attacked another family. Like... I was thinking about There'd be a lot of survivors out there. Yes, but at the same time, that night was his downfall. Oh, okay. Because that night, not only did James get the car information, but um, Inez was coherent enough to, and like, and was clever enough to get a very detailed description of Richard Ramirez, which ended up being his capture. Um, I'm going to read, I couldn't say this any better than, um, the site that I got this from. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to read, uh, the information he was. So that was August 24th on August 30th, 1985, Richard Ramirez was captured. And this is how it happened. He took a bus to Tucson, Arizona to visit his brother. And this is, it's kind of poetic justice because he'd been following his case on all the media. So it it boggles my mind that he didn't catch this. Excuse me. But he went to visit um, his brother in Tucson, Arizona, unaware that he'd become the lead story in virtually every major newspaper and television news program across California. (laughs) After failing to meet his brother, he returned to LA early on the morning of August 31st. He walked past police officers who were staking out the bus terminal in hopes of catching the killer should he attempt to flee on an outbound bus to a convenience store in East Los Angeles. After noticing a group of elderly Mexican women fearfully identifying him as El Matador, or the killer, Richard Ramirez saw his face on the front pages of the newspaper rack and fled the store in a panic. So... He, it gets better. The people 
took care of Richard Ramirez. So these old Mexican ladies saw El Matador, El Matador. He saw his picture and he was panicked and he ran. After running across the Santa Ana freeway, he attempted to carjack a woman, but he was chased away by bystanders who pursued him. After hopping over several fences and attempting two more carjackings, he was eventually subdued by a group of residents, one of whom had struck him over the head with a metal bar in the pursuit. The group held Ramirez down, relentlessly beating him until the police arrived and took him into custody. I mean, hell yeah. Also, props like... No, that's another one. Okay. Yeah, I don't know what that is, though. (laughs) What do you mean? Stop! There we go. So, that was the that was the clap okay. track I was looking for. Props to the mob for like not having the bystander effect and like actually. Hold on, hold on, hold on. No, you don't. That's what. Go go get Steve. No, it just starts it over again. Go get Steve. Don't make him stop it. Hold on. Pause Is this again. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Yeah, it stopped. Um. So yeah. So like. Such a fun, uh, like, A, excellent of the mob for, like, not succumbing to the bystander effect and actually, like, doing something about it. But, B, amazing self-control that they didn't just kill him on the spot. And, like... And, C, way to hit him over the head with a pipe. way to, like, incapacitate him so he's stuck there until the police can come and he can actually get justice. Like, it would have been so easy for the mob to just, like, once they got him to get overcome with emotions and just kill him right there on the spot and then no justice would have been served so but they did not okay so yeah so and so he was arrested during pre-trial though some jail employees heard him planning to shoot the prosecutor so for the first time metal detectors were installed at the jailhouse um the trial this is crazy the trial was interrupted when juror phyllis singletary was found shot to death in her apartment but listen, it wasn't Ramirez. Her boyfriend did it. And then he shot himself in the head at a comfort inn. Oh my gosh. Yeah, talk what about talk about a weird coincidence. Like yeah. there was no tie to Ramirez whatsoever. Weird. Apparently they had gotten in an argument, she and her boyfriend, and he killed mm-hmm. her and then killed himself. Weird. Um, after after he was sentenced to death, Richard Ramirez said, and I quote. Big deal. Death was always went with the territory. See you in Disneyland. That doesn't make sense. Nothing he did made sense. <laughs> right. There's actually um, true. There's this uh, song that I I sent you guys, but it's one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, it's by this woman in this band called Skinned. It's spelled S K Y N D. And she plays this character where she's this demon who, like, causes horrible events to happen around her. And so she actually, ironically, has an Elisa Lamb story, which I'll cover next week. Um, Like, she has an Elisa Lamb song. She also has, like, a Jim Jones, which is, like, Drink the Kool-Aid Man. Um, But she has a Richard Ramirez song. And in it, like, one of the chorus lines is, like, hell, I'll see you in Disneyland. Like, it's really creepy. Yeah, and in the video, there's a guy wearing a really, like, bastardized yeah. Mickey Mouse thing. like, super, thing, like, like, janked mask. up Mickey Mouse mask. I don't... Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Um, so, in spite of the fact that he was a murderer with awful teeth that smelled bad, um, 
he still found love in prison. He married a lady named Doreen Loy in 1996, although they did later separate. What is Um, wrong with you? And nobody knows... Nobody no. knows why they separated. I can think of a few reasons. <laughs> um, it it wasn't sure. They didn't know. They suspect because she knew like that mm-hmm. he was guilty of all this stuff. Um, but they think that it either was because Richard Ramirez um, had many medical complications as the result of he heavy drug use. So like he had hepatitis C. Uh, he actually ended up dying on June seventh, two thousand thirteen of um, complications from lymphoma and, um, the hepatitis C he spent 23 years on death row. So he was on death row as many years as he was like free. Wow. So he literally spent half his life on death row. Conversation we were having earlier about like people getting sentenced to life or putting like getting put on death row and taking out their own life. Like at least justice was served. Like, yeah, but he, he got married during that time, but he, but she, it's unclear because their marriage lasted for quite a long time. They, they got divorced or separated not long before he died. Mm. So it wasn't, it was kind of like maybe, um, she started distancing herself or he started distancing himself from her to spare her the pain of like his actual Mm. death. Or the other idea is that it was kind of maybe when she found out that his first victim was nine years old that she was like, mm, too like, far. Mm, yeah. Well, yeah. if their entire relationship with him in prison, she probably didn't like, it probably would have been a lot different if he was not in prison and they were having a relationship. Probably. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she actually has uh, made some money off of oh, him. Like she was on a couple of episodes of like women who love men in prison Type shows. I think she wrote a biography about him. Um, so I mean, she she did all right for herself. Cash grab. Could have been. Could have been. I don't know. Although she stuck with him through his whole trial, like she was in love with him during his trial and the whole oh. bit. So they were together for a long, long time. I don't get it, Doreen? I just don't. I don't either. You're, You're better, better than, than this, Doreen. Yep. You deserve love. All right, so there you go. This has been a long been one, a long guys. One. We're going to wrap it up because Jackie's falling asleep at the mic and it's been, uh, you guys have been through a lot as listeners. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, we're not done with you yet, though. Oh, I thought you said we're not done. And I was like, but no, I figured out I can rest my nose on the microphone. <laughs> Congratulations. But yeah, this is just episode one of two. So we're, we're not done with you nope. yet. Oh, yeah. Are we even going to leave the hotel? Probably not. No. Yep. All right. Anyways. All right. If you have any thoughts, uh, write to us, uh, mile13show at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram and the Facebook. Um, all right. That's it. Uh, okay. All right, guys. See you, see next, you next week. week. Bye. Bye.